Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set records around the world and then subsequently break those records. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And Tony, we have some exciting stats to get into. We just we just leveled up in the world of stats for our show. Yes. And we will get to them shortly. But in the interest of time and our amazing guests that we have, I want to get right to our sponsor mentions. And of course, right off the top, our presenting sponsor, we couldn't do this show without them. John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions. And I'll let you share a little bit about what the great folks there do. Well, uh, obviously, you can find them at municipalsolutions.ca, and they have a bevy of uh, different products. Uh, I could say products or services available to people who need a little bit of help to negotiate around uh, governments and uh, want to step up when it comes to their own business development. Since our guest is a very special guest and is, in fact, our presenting sponsor, maybe we'll ask him a little bit more about that in the minutes to come. But we do thank them for their uh, sponsorship of our show. Also, a quick shout-out to Lord and Lady Coffee. You can find them online at lordandlady.ca. Free shipping when you spend over $40 anywhere in Canada. Local, small batch, coffee roasting, whole bean. we got a medium roast, a dark roast, and the new espresso that's coming out called Bolster. Mm. Lord and Lady Coffee. Find them online at lordandlady.ca. And Tony, one of our newest sponsors, I'll let you give them some love. Yeah, thanks to Chris and the gang at Polytrack. That's uh, Polytrack with a Q. Uh, They offer, now we do have people who listen to our show who are government relations experts, pros, and they need a secure hub to store their advocacy data. Uh, That includes stakeholder contact details, engagement reports, key messages. The fact of the matter is you don't want to spend your time, if you're a GR professional, uh, dealing with all of that stuff, all the compliance stuff, the red tape. You want to keep growing your practice, and that's what Polytrack is about. They'll take care of all of those contact details, engagement reports, key messages. And if you visit polytrack.com, or polytrack.ca, goes to the same place. Mention and another thing, podcast, when you sign up, you receive white glove onboarding services for free, including tutorial and Q&A for your team. So all of you GR pros out there, check out polytrack.com. All right, our guest today is a man that needs no introduction. He's a good friend of the program. And and before we get into the meat of this, I, I just want to put this out. So John Mutton, who's the man behind Municipal Solutions, is our guest. And John, I got to say something right off the top. You have had an adventure overseas in the last little while. And Tony and I have been very good at making sure our listeners follow you on Instagram and live vicariously through your posts. We have been getting tons of emails. And the number one question we get is... How do you get biceps like John Mutton? No way. Seriously? <laughs> yes. Those things are freaky. <laughs> come, on, come on, John. Fess up. Good morning. Well, I, uh, I, it's, it's from uh, having to uh, 
to carry the weight of uh, not knowing when immigration is going to approve documents. That's what it's from. <laughs> I got to tell I got to tell this story quickly because you'll appreciate this, John. And we both know uh, a good friend of our show, of uh, mine, and I know you know him as well, Jason Green, oh, who's yes. a police officer, uh, a proud police officer in the Durham region, does a great job. Uh, I grew up with Jason in Kingston, but just on the whole thing about biceps is he used to get so embarrassed because he was, I mean, he's leaned out quite a bit and, and does the competing. And, and I, don't, I don't know if he competes as much now, but he does a lot of training on the, on the yes. bodybuilding side, but he used to be full bore into it when we were in Kingston and I'd embarrass him when we would go to the grocery store and yell out really loudly, he'd be down an aisle and I'd just say, excuse me, sir. How do you get biceps like that? Is that just chicken breasts and egg whites? And his face would turn red, and he would just turn around and act like he didn't know me. But it just reminded me of that. But uh, yeah, I'm going to try that out with. I'm going to try that out with him as well. Oh yeah, next time you see him, say, "Is chicken breasts? How do you how do you get arms like that, Jason? Is that chicken breasts?" So, John, (laughs) John, we have to get to the story. You're back in Ontario. After having to spend 33 days in a row at a Warsaw hotel, so just walk us walk us through walk the uh, the listeners through what the heck happened and how you got trapped there. So, so uh, on December 10th, I uh, I fly over to uh, uh, Croatia to get uh, uh, my fiance uh, Anna. Right, um, she lives in, uh, just off just an hour and a half. Hold on, hold on for one second, John. Uh, I'm just going to break in, Jody. Uh, I'm not hearing him very well all of a sudden. Yeah, the eh? sound went a, a bit. Where okay, the can you hear me now? Yes, that's so better. You talk so. like that. So just start okay. from the start from the beginning of your story again. So um, on December 10th, I uh, flew to Zagreb to uh, my fiance is moving over to uh, Canada from um, Pozega, Croatia, and uh, so we had all of our documents, everything together, and uh, so December we were at her parents' place packing things up. And uh, fly to December 16th, fly into Poland because there's no direct flight from Croatia. Once we get to Poland, um, we uh, go up to the ticket transfer desk to get the final ticket uh, to Canada. And there is the meanest looking man I've ever seen in my entire life with black eyes there. And uh, he says, oh, you don't have the right uh, papers. So I call in the visa office. They call immigration and they and uh, or and. uh, the, uh, the embassy and they said oh you got to wait five days for another uh, another document uh, uh, because this guy uh, is calling you on it and I said oh okay five days so you know five working days I figure I was going to stay a week well it ends up it's 14 working days that you got to uh, wait and um, it, which ends it up uh, over Christmas and everything uh, 33 days that I spent and you cannot you cannot get any information from immigration canada you can't you're not allowed to call them you're not allowed to email them it even warns you if you email them it's going to take longer for them to, to to put your process through so i reached out to a few of the members of parliament i know and i know you know loads on um on the conservative and liberal side and i must say that um, um aaron o'toole's office were incredible and um uh, Danielle um, and Aaron actually personally reached out to me um, three times. They did a, a great job, and uh, this is uh, and this doesn't um, this this has nothing to do with uh, partisanship. They did do a great job. Phil Lawrence's office 
Um, and uh, they did a, uh, uh, they went to bat for me, Colin Carey's office did. And so we had some people that were reaching out. The Clarington Board of Trade wrote, uh, wrote a letter um, because we wanted to get John and Anna back for business because Anna's involved in some of the business side as well. And then we uh, uh, reached out to uh, the Connecting GTA, which uh, has uh, my good friend uh, Suresh Kumar reached out to uh, Mark Holland's office. My um, my lawyer, counselor, Corinna Trail from Bowmanville, she uh, reached out to um, uh, Jennifer O'Connell's office. And I had, you know, this, was, this bothers me. I told Tony I was going to mention it on the show, but Jennifer O'Connell's office, we reached out to her and I sent her a WhatsApp because I paid she, for she's, a, she's an MP. Yes, I paid for a nomination fee. Um, I don't know, the first time she ran, I've, I've raised money for her uh, because I am a, I'm a constituent-based kind of guy. If they do well in their community for the constituents, I'm, I'm usually along um, along for the ride with them, except, uh, you know, I, I side on the, on the right side. So, um, so uh, I get a message back from her, contact your own MP. Wow. <laughs> and then... Uh, Councillor Trail, she gets an email back from her, and it says, "Don't ever, con- don't you or John Mutton ever contact my office again." So I guess, uh, I guess I know what's happening there. And uh, yeah, no so, uh, so she reached out because she was the federal candidate. Corinna was and said, "Okay, I'm good friends with Corinna. Maybe I can make this go." Uh, another friend of mine um, from um, OPG. Uh, reached out to uh, Ryan Turnbull's office. He's a liberal out of Whitby. His office did uh, work very hard for us. And uh, so um, Aaron O'Toole, Phil Lawrence, uh, Colin Carey, and uh, Ryan Turnbull out of the uh, this area, they all did uh, um, great work in um, at least providing us. Are you there? Whoa. John? We've lost John. I wouldn't be shocked that some of the uh, liberal MPs have been hacked into this and they hear the... Uh, That's it. Can you guys hear, hear me at all? Oh, Can you, oh no, just you're heard, yeah, you're back now. You're back now. It was the liberal MPs hacking the... Hacking. Yeah, the liberal MPs were hacking into us and they knew that they were. you were slamming them, so... Yeah, I, was, so I wasn't happy with that at all. You know, I... I um, I have uh, I, I've done a lot of work with some of these uh, MPs, uh, whether they're liberal or conservative, and um, I think a lot of them are upset that I'm on the right side of things. And you know, I just remember them next election. Yeah, John, well, quickly, did did Rod Phillips offer to fly over and help you? <laughs> I w- I was hoping that Rod would ask me to fly down to where he was because it was warmer. <laughs> Oh, so, you know, that's a burn. You know, the funny thing was, is my daughter and son-in-law, my son-in-law is from Brazil. So they were, uh, they were down in Brazil and they, um, <laughs> my daughter couldn't get a, uh, couldn't get a COVID test for a few days to come back. And they weren't giving COVID tests out to Canadians. So it was, uh, they had a real, uh, a real hard time, but she kept sending me WhatsApps of her and her husband on the beaches in Rio, not very many people around, and um, picking fresh fruit off of their walk and eating it. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, I look out the window, and every day was gray in Poland. And, and 
So Poland went into a um, a lockdown on December the 26th, and then Poland uh, went into a curfew. So the lockdown, um, visitors in Poland were not allowed to stay in hotels. So um, we had to come up very quickly with a letter, and I sent an email to the mayor of Warsaw wanting to meet with him on uh, one of our clients' uh, issues. I had to... I had to establish that I was there to do some business in order f- for me to continue to stay in a hotel. Wow. Like, was, it, was, the ho- was the hotel deserted aside from you? They, um, at that point in time, they had five people in there. And then, wow. That are five rooms. And then the, uh, had 40 rooms um, before we left. And a lot of it was the American uh, military. Because, and I, I was really, I was looking at all these, all these guys come in and, um, you, well, obviously, you know, they're American military. And so I, I uh, read online, there was some kind of an agreement with, uh, Trump to provide, uh, where he pulled American troops out of certain other areas and he provided them to, to Poland. And, uh, so they're all staying at the Marriott, a bunch of good guys. Crazy, <laughs> crazy. But and you couldn't go to the gym. The gym was closed down. It couldn't uh, go. That was terrible. When they closed the gym down, it was. It just took our life away. And you, you could go over to the Golden uh, Mall across the road, where the beautiful transit system is there, and you could go upstairs. Everything else was cordoned off, and you could uh, like buy some some decent healthy food. And uh, other than that, that's all you did. You're living in your hotel room. Um, masked up, and uh, they're very serious over there, obviously, about it. So, so it's night yeah. and day being back here. I'm so, oh my you God. Know. <laughs> well, I, I, I like to say that if, if you and your fiance could survive that, you can survive anything. Well, I'm starting to think that myself. <laughs> <laughs> it sure as hell would better than uh, being um, locked up with an ex, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. What, was she like wondering what the heck am I doing? Uh, this guy can't get me out of Poland, anything like that, or was it all? She well, would, every she... time we would get an email from um, Immigration Canada, she would uh, show it to me right away. Does this say we can come back? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so, it, it, it's really, uh, it's not a user-friendly process with Immigration Canada, is it? has to be changed. What I found out from Aaron, too, was that if you had to go to the embassy, so say I was kicked out on the 26th in Poland, I had to go to the embassy, they will accept me, but they will not expect, if your uh, spouse is not a permanent resident, Right. Um, or a citizen yet, they will leave them on the streets. And uh, I, and Aaron sent me some information. He's been trying to change it because, you know, Poland's a little friendlier country than some of the countries that I'm sure that um, people are trying to immigrate from. And I've seen that there's been uh, real issues. So that's, and trying to get a hold of the embassy is ridiculous as well. You uh, have an SOS email and a phone number, but no one answers it. And that says if you're calling regarding anything immigration, you got to call Immigration Canada, who you're not allowed to call, by the way. Yeah, so you're it's it's kind of like this uh, uh, Kafka-esque situation where uh, left hand and right hand are not really talking to one another, and you're left in the lurch. Yes, I've sent an email to the minister uh, about uh, you know you really got to come up with some kind of better communication because even the MPs' offices don't know what goes on regarding 
the extended family or the immediate family traveling over. And these new documents were put in place strictly for COVID. Oh, this was a protocol just because of the COVID situation then? Correct. So they will oh. not allow anyone to come into the country, to Canada, to, to visit, but they will allow, obviously, immediate or extended family in, which includes, you know, fiancés and so on. Okay. So that's the so that was the 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 protocol. And, and did you have to did you have to prove that she was your fiance? Was that part of the issue? Well, we lost him again, Johnny. The liberals are really upset about this conversation. This is uh, I, wait wait till we mention China. <laughs> My back, John. Yet? Yeah, you're back now. The liberals are working here. overtime. They just do not want you to share your thoughts on this. For some reason, I just have to push this little button on and off, and then I come back on. I don't know why. So, so, so that's so that's the deal over in uh, over in Poland, and the thing also that happened was Doug brought in the premier brought in the COVID testing at the airport. Right. So I sent emails. Okay. So the federal government are requiring us to have a COVID test, and it says before entry to Canada, but. Since Doug wants everyone to take the COVID test, have they made some type of arrangement so we can take the COVID test in Ontario went in, at Pearson and that will cover for it? Well, no one knew the answer to that one. And then we found Jeez. out that, that no, it doesn't work. And if you want people to take that COVID test, then you're going to ensure that that could be part of the solution because it's not easy and it's not cheap to find a COVID test for travel within 48 hours and whatever country that you may be in. No doubt. So where, yeah. where, did, where did you get the COVID test? Well, we went to this hospital in um, Warsaw, and you wouldn't believe it was set up like an army barracks where they had tents and storage containers outside. So we walked into the tent, and then we, they said, go to the next tent. We went to the next tent, go to the storage container and push push the button. So it didn't even look like it was real. So we pushed the button and the button started flashing. The storage container opened up and there was a nurse and another lady inside of it. I couldn't believe it. It was such a small storage container and it was really cold. So wow. all the storage containers had a, a nurse and a uh, administrator in all of them. And you um, um, stuck your head in a, a little hole and then they also had these two holes for their arms to come out to do the test on you. It was it was really a military operation. Wow. Did you get a sense uh, that uh, Poland is uh, better organized on some things when it comes to COVID than uh, Canada is? Without question. Without question. Yeah, they. Um, you know their security folks. You know what's... Uh, what's happening over there it's the, they haven't put the legislation together like a skeleton and thrown it out and then try to slap meat on it it's yeah. uh, it, it it's better off and you know the real sad thing was is people it's cold in Poland right now people are walking the mall and you'll find a pile of seniors and youth on the top floor of the golden mall which has the uh, the food on it and they're going anywhere to sit down. They'll they'll sit down in little corners. And the security were really good about it. They would come up, you know, maybe every hour on the hour and kind of uh, move people along. But there's nothing for people to do. 
wow. obviously it's the same thing over here as well. And then when they implemented, the, I don't know why they implemented the uh, curfew on uh, December 31st, but I would say there would have been a thousand, at least a thousand individual fireworks displays in Warsaw, uh, basically saying to hell with the curfew. Oh, really? So that did you that that was a form of protest that you could witness? Yes, it was. <laughs> we were on the we were on the thirty third floor, and we could see it all. We actually uh, videoed it, and it was a protest. And you know, of all the people that uh, are, will fight back, you know, it's going to be the the Polish folk. Yeah, yes. they're very independent minded. That's true. Yeah. And uh, Tony, I got to tell you that Jody, you'll like this one. So we're on the thirty third floor. And someone pulled the fire alarm. So we had to go all the way down the stairs. So you know how long it takes to go down 33 floors. And then when you're going down fairly quick and I train, you know, that I train, my legs were sore for two days after it's the weirdest sensation to go downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a different set of motor functions to go downstairs than to go upstairs. Oh, I know. It was, you know it was, I, I, I could hardly walk the next couple of days. I looked like there was something wrong with me. So, but, but other than that, I had lots of time to keep track on what was going on in Ontario and Canada, and we were worried about uh, the possible travel ban, and I still see that um, the Prime Minister's uh, floating that out there, that there could be a travel ban. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Yeah, I mean, we're getting some mixed messages on that. I mean, I, I uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I know in uh, in the UK they have uh, they have travel corridors. So if you're from a particular country with not too many new cases, you're in that travel corridor, and then countries pop in and out of that travel corridor depending upon their numbers. That's how the UK does it, and you know, I I don't I don't I don't have a problem with that. Um, and but uh, you know. W- w- the thing that got controversial here, of course, was the advice was cancel all non-essential travel. Uh, and then we had our politicians basically being and, and health authority people and hospital presidents going to sunny climbs over the Christmas break. That did not go over very well at all. Let me tell you. I, I didn't see that happening in many other places. Uh, I saw it in Canada a lot. And I obviously uh, wanted to research and see what other countries are having the same issue with their politicians, and I didn't find many. No, yeah, no, no. It's a made in Canada problem, I guess. <laughs> Is it ever? And uh, well, one of the things now I'm actually reviewing uh, today uh, Clarington's um, uh, budget, operating and capital budget, and. We have municipalities out there that are like um, Brampton and Patrick Brown coming at a a zero tax increase. And we have other municipalities that are projecting tax increases because of revenue shortfalls, which are obvious. There's revenue shortfalls because of user fees and so on. Um, However, some of the municipalities offered tax rebates, if you can remember, back in the April range. So... It's all over the map. I don't think there should be any tax increases when people are facing this type of economic turmoil. However, there's no money in the coffers. And then reading about the $6.4 billion that the province have not expended yet on with COVID funds, 
I'm wondering if they're going to be looking at some of those funds to uh, to help the other level of government out. Well, there was, uh, and the other side of it is uh, on the consumer side, uh, the uh, federal finance minister, Freeland, has been making uh, noises about, uh, well, people have saved a lot of money. Uh, maybe that could be put to good use, like <laughs> sort of going after our savings. So uh, it's it's going to be an interesting time to see how they uh, try to roll out of this, uh, this economic as well as public health crisis. Hey, John... Uh, Maybe now's a good time. Just tell uh, tell our listeners the kinds of things you're working on at Municipal Solutions. I think, you know, you're our presenting sponsor, so I wanted to give you a chance to describe in your own words the kind of work that you're doing. Would you like the Canadian division or the Warsaw division? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> so, um, uh, actually, with the... Uh, municipal solutions uh, we really have a lot going on with the uh, development services side so we'll come in uh, somebody will hire us we'll project manage um, a uh, we'll do all the property work the severance we'll bring in the architect uh, to design the building uh, the planners do the planning for the for the rezoning we have a lot of that work going on right now right across Ontario and uh, quite happy about that and we've also had a uh, a, a larger influx with the building trades and a lot more work going on uh, there. There's been some changes in uh, business managers down at 353. The new business manager for the uh, electricians is Lee Caprio, and that's one of the, that is the largest uh, electrical union in Canada. So they're, uh, they're really gung-ho looking at doing some different things, opening up some more work and making sure that we only have certified, qualified people doing electrical work in in Ontario. It's it's not a it's not a union versus non-union thing. It's a qualification thing that makes the cream rise to the top on that. So we do a lot of that. Uh, we actually have some projects that we are trying to uh, win, where there's several people bidding on the projects. We're trying to win the projects for our clients. So that not only involves a little bit of the uh, the government relations end, but it also involves putting together the best bid for a uh, for a project. And uh, Tony, uh, you know that uh, one of the right. things we, when we go after a project, we want to make sure that we got the, the the project that is the most beneficial for the community, not only the uh, the residents in, in in terms of public access for where a project is going to be, but that there's good, well-paying jobs. There's a tie-in with academia. So we do those types of things on some of the very large projects. Yeah, because uh, a lot of your clients may know how to build stuff, but they the community relations aspect of it or get, getting the right approvals, that's where they need the help, right? Exactly. I'll give you an example. I've got a client that um, he... He's building a, uh, a, a few houses. He wants to have three accesses to his development. The municipality have a policy for two accesses to the development. Um, he says, I, I really need that third access. So I took a look at the, uh, at the policy, and there was a section 5.3 there that says that the director of engineering can, um, uh, with evidence, can um, allow a third access to um, property. And uh, so, you know, we just go out, we'll retain a uh, traffic management um, consultant slash engineer. He'll come in and sh show that having the third access is better for 
access egress. It's better for public safety. And so they're the types of things that we do. We, we make sure that people can build what they want to build. We make sure that people, uh, quite often in projects in Toronto, we get more height on a um, condominium uh, building or something like that for uh, for our clients. Uh, it maximizes their uh, gross floor area because obviously that's where they're going to be making uh, making their money. And the City of Toronto is notorious for not putting in the practices of uh, of smart growth. You know, you want to have the transit lines. You want to have the you want to have the population around transit lines. You want to have that smart growth, but they really do not like to put in higher density for some reason. And uh, we have a lot of work that we do there. But uh, the, the, I, I've noticed, and uh, Jody, as a former municipal councillor, we've really seen a lot. Well, we got we got busted again. <laughs> Confound these people, whoever they are. <laughs> press the press. Maybe the it's the. Maybe it's the Reddit people that have been trading. Yes, on, well, uh, I'm back, well, I'm back again. Yes, I know that. So you're saying yeah. I, I, that I noticed, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, the show that continues to break records. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. Don't worry. we got some the, good numbers. So, the, um, so uh, yeah, so uh, there's a lot of butting heads that are going on right now, and you'd think that these um, uh, the, that the municipalities – um, would be uh, desperate for uh, for growth, construction jobs, uh, more assessment, but the planning departments are getting even worse out there. And um, there is, a, I I don't know if they remember when um, when was uh, the the premier. I guess we all remember that time. So she took the power away from the Ontario Municipal Board, made it the local planning appeals tribunal, and then. The planners became omnipotent. Then, uh, when um, Doug got back in, Doug gave the LPAT back its powers, and uh, the planning departments uh, don't like that. They are fighting back on a lot of projects, and we see it in so many municipalities where it's not a smooth transition. There are some good municipalities out there that are... Um, like Brampton's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. I, I, I got to admit, Brampton is good. But there's some municipalities that you, I've seen developers come in and say, I, I was originally going to develop this new warehouse in this in your municipality, but I'm not now. It's just not friendly to grow in. Well, John, we're going to have to leave it at that. Uh, we want to thank you for coming on our show. We'll talk a little bit about your work, but also the uh, experience of being in the Neverland of Warsaw. It was, uh, it was, I think, a, an interesting story for our listeners to hear. Right, Jody? Well, one thing, I really appreciate that. And one thing I can tell you is that uh, every time your show came on, we went down uh, to the lobby and I put it on the phone and while there might only have been uh, five couples in the, the lobby um, socially distanced uh, drinking coffee they all heard the show and we're, we're huge in Poland now like yeah. we're just oh, yeah. like it's massive it's massive <laughs> yes. yes I heard that that's what the word was who was that who was that bad guy <laughs> well thanks so much John we thank okay, you for your guys. continued support and we wish you all the best Take Talk care later. Guys. Thanks. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Another interesting interview with John Mutton. I mean, if there was ever a guy whose life was actually a movie, 
Uh, it's this guy. <laughs> There's no question. I know. It's uh, I. I still marvel. Like uh, if I were his fiance, and uh, I'm going to take you to Canada, and we're going to build our life together. And then they get stuck in a Warsaw hotel for 33 days. Uh, it sounds like I, a movie. Warsaw hotel. Stuck in a Warsaw hotel sounds like a movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but good for him. It's great to have him back, and uh, we certainly wish uh, he and Anna well in their new life together. Um, quickly, Tony, we had upgraded some of our tech here for the show and we were able to access and look at where the show is being listened to and get some more detailed statistics as we continue to grow. And it's very cool. I can tell you just listing off, uh, where people are listening to us, obviously Canada, the U S, uh, but Spain, France, Germany, Russia, Australia, India, Thailand, Philippines, South Korea, like the list goes on wow. and on. Kenya. Kenya. <laughs> They're listening to us in Kenya. Sure they are. Why not? Argentina. Argentina. Oh, we have some South American uh, followers. That's great. Jamaica. Okay. New Zealand. Like it's it's pretty cool. Well, I I want to thank all of our listeners worldwide. Uh, what a what a time to be alive! When oh, and I should ask. I'll put this. Okay. Yeah. And then sure. I, if I'm going to go into a little bit more detail, just ask you a quiz before we let you go. A quiz question. Okay. What state do you think listens to us the most? What state? Uh, in the United States. In the United States, yeah. Uh, Florida. No. What is it? I'll give you a hint. Uh, no, I won't give you a hint. I'll just tell you, California. Really? California and then Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> what a combo. Yeah, California, Ohio, and then Virginia are top three states. Where we're blue, blue state, red state. That's yeah. aw- that's awesome. Fantastic. Funny. So anyway, well, it's kind of cool. Thank you all to all of our American friends. Yeah, and we got a good presence in Hawaii. So maybe we need to visit Hawaii. I think we've got to do a show on the road. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, thanks again to Municipal Solutions, uh, John and his team for all the work they do, municipalsolutions.ca, as well, Lord and Lady Coffee. You can find them at lordandlady.ca. And, and Tony. Uh, Chris and the gang at Polytrack, polytrack.ca or polytrack with a Q.com. Uh, and again, mention and another thing podcast. When you sign up, you get received white glove onboarding services free. So please do that. We got some exciting shows coming up. Yes. We have former MP Jeff Watson. We've got Mayor of Brampton or Peel Region or whatever it's called. Patrick Brown is going to come on. Bonnie Crombie, another mayor. Is that correct? Mayor of Mississauga. Mayor both, of Mississauga. Uh, both Bonnie and Patrick are former MPs as well. So Do they go. like each other, Bonnie and Patrick? We should ask. Okay. I always feel like there's tension there, but... There's so some tension uh, uh, between those two municipalities, yes. But, yeah, so I, I, I sense it when they talk. Yeah, uh, okay. I don't we'll, see a lot of accolades being handed out either way, but maybe we'll, I'm wrong. So We'll have to ask the question, see whether we get the political answer. Yeah, I'm sure. Hey, oh, oh Bonnie and I have a great working relationship. But, That's uh, right, yes. <laughs> okay, Tony, thanks so much. Uh, we'll talk to you in seven days. You betcha.